So I'm going to talk about uh, uh, business apologies as well. So this is this follows very nicely uh, Darius' talk, and there will be some connections. Uh, obviously, uh, I want to start in a sense on a from a broader point of view. So very often when we talk about uh, a market economy and firms and so on, we have in mind uh, sort of the traditional image or metaphor of the invisible hand, right? So the idea is that there is a myriad of agents without any sort of uh, uh, supervised coordination except for the price mechanism that somehow are able to connect with each other, have demand meet supply and vice versa, and the price comes up and uh, this is an efficient outcome that maximizes uh, welfare. But sometimes I think it's useful to go a little beyond and think about a higher order level of the invisible hand of what makes a market economy, a capitalistic economy um, uh, work which is what we can you know, easily call trust. So first of all, we have to trust in this mechanism. And trust can come from uh, sort of formal aspects, so regulation, legislation, uh, and so on. But no law, no contract is perfect, is complete. So we really need to believe that this is a, the way things, things work in order for keeping this to go in the long term. And so that's what we call, uh, we call trust. And it is a fact that when companies engage in certain practice that seem to deviate from this trust in the fact that everybody somehow will benefit from such a system, when companies deviate, for example, by abuse, abusing their market power or engaging in cronism, and someone, as someone call it, and so on, then there is a reduction, as many polling agencies show, in the trust toward, uh, toward corporation corporations in particular. And uh, the sort of implication of this is that to the extent that we sort of undermine this trust because of certain practices, because of certain overall economic phenomena like the increase in income inequality, the belief that the market economy, capitalistic economy, and the de liberal democracy more generally is sort of conducive to, uh, to higher welfare may be uh, endangered. And so there is evidence say that over time in the last especially in the last 15 years, there has been an erosion in, uh, in trust and confidence toward the business, the business world and corporation in particular. And here, so to this relates in a sense to the definition of apology, as uh, many of you have, uh, have mentioned and uh, telling this morning, an apology is a manifestation of regret, taking of responsibility, or at least a definition of it, in the hope, this is something uh, maybe it's worth adding, of reestablishing trust. Okay, the idea is that there is a long-term relationship, it's not a one-off, right? And so apologies might help in restoring this long-term cooperation or common understanding among the, among the parties. And so one might ask whether the fact that many companies, we see many companies apologizing, might have to do with this idea of restoring or help restoring some level of, uh, of trust. And we do see companies apologizing. Uh, Darius was mentioning several cases, some of which I also have in my notes. I'm not going to repeat. There was one aspect that was common uh, somehow to all the, the examples that Darius was mentioning is that underlying the apology, there, was, there were some acts or some facts that had some legal consequences. There was some illicit action like tampering the odometer or uh, uh, defeating, uh, software defeating uh, emission, uh, emission checks or the, the oil spill and so on. But very often, 
and especially in more recent years, companies apologize also for actions that don't have any legal aspect into it, that are totally legal, totally illicit, right? So some examples that I like a lot, and there was a nice article in last Sunday, uh, New York Times, in the business page, is about pricing strategies of companies, right? Think, think about Netflix, for example. So for sort of up to a few years ago, Netflix was also uh, doing mail services for DVDs. Do you remember DVDs? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, about I think a few years a few years ago they they uh, they proposed a new pricing system, and for those who were subscribing both to the mail uh, sort of DVD service and the streaming service, there was a price increase of about sixty percent. Totally legal. There is nothing wrong with it. You know this is the market. You don't like it, you move to something else. Well, you know this is just a business decision, like any other, right? Like producing red cars versus blue cars. Moral outrage uh, because of this increase. The CEO of Netflix had to apologize, apologizing for a pricing strategy. Uber has been doing this many times over the past few years. Uber applies flexible pricing or surge pricing. The idea is that in certain period, in certain circumstances, the price of, uh, uh, of the service of a ride is much higher. And this makes a lot of economic sense. Uh, these are periods of shortages, so this gives more incentives to drivers to be on the road and serves consumers or customers who have a higher valuation, really needs that kind of service in that particular time. Fine, but if you do it after a terrorist attack in London, after a gunman uh, sieges uh, a coffee shop in Sydney, or during a strike by taxi drivers in New York to protest against Trump's immigration ban, again, this is economically sensible, it's legal, but people get really crazy about it. And in all of these, these circumstances, Uber had to apologize and revert uh, and maybe sort of uh, mute uh, the, uh, the search pricing system for other circumstances and, uh, uh, and so on. There is then another, uh, another category altogether, again, all within the limit of, limits of legality uh, companies are engaging in, is that, and that's apologies, and I think this comes to also what, uh, what others were saying yesterday, not for a particular act or fact, but for a general sort of approach that or direction that the company is taking. So yesterday we talked about the relationship between religion, religiosity, religion, and apology. It turns out that over last uh, Yom Kippur, uh, Mark Zuckerberg had a post on Facebook, obviously, uh, sort of honoring Yom Kippur and as, a, as an occasion to express apologies and penance. And he said that he was apologizing for the overall direction that the company, Facebook, was taking. He was saying, you know, our motto is to bring the world together, and it turns out that over the past year, our platform was used to bring us apart. Okay? This is not a single act. Okay? This is the company, the real sort of philosophy of the company. Evan Williams, one of the founder, co-founder of Twitter, did the same thing a few months ago. He said, if Twitter had created all the hatred and harassment, uh, and the outcome of the U.S. elections, uh, I apologize. I'm sorry about it. We, 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 this is not good at all. This is not what we should be about. And so it also takes this, this broader sense. And so from an economics point of view, one might ask, what, the, what do these apology bias? Uh, isn't it just cheap talk, right? That, you know, is there any consequence? And 
One could think also of the cheap talk component or non-credibility component on the side of the offended parties, consumers who feel exploited and mistreated. Organizing a boycott is complicated. There are collective action problems and so on. It's just not credible, right? So why even bother to apologize if there is no real threat to be retaliated against? Well, one might think that especially when there are legal consequences, to the extent that apologies can be used in court, for example, they're admissible, then there is a cost in apologizing. An apology might also reveal information about the company, then leading to collecting more information, and so you might prefer to stay silent to avoid people digging too much. Even competitors might not be happy with the company apologizing because maybe they are you know, bringing up the dirt that everybody's playing with, so why don't we just you know, let it go and so on. So definitely there are some direct costs, economic costs, but many companies are also reacting to some psychological mechanisms that, uh, that are important to people, right? And that is especially for those cases like pricing strategies and so on that have no legal, uh, no legal issues related, uh, related to that. People care a lot about the sense of fairness and reciprocity. And uh, feeling mistreated with sort of unfair prices, whatever that means, uh, might lead people to retaliate even if this, in, this implies some cost for them, especially when these costs are not too high or this retaliation might occur even individually and based on emotional sort of responses. You can think about Danny Kahneman's uh, Thinking Slow and fa or Fast and Slow uh, book. And so the idea is that sometimes we, we act on our type one uh, reasoning, which is the emotional reasoning. So uh, think about uh, services like Uber and Netflix. So many people, after uh, some information came up about Uber, for example, sexual harassment in the company or the behavior of the former CEO, they just deleted the application from their phone. This is an easy thing to do. It takes a second. I confess, I did not delete it, but I added Lyft. And I started using Lyft in all the places where there is Lyft. I was in California then for, for work, and I immediately switched to Lyft. Same with Netflix, you just unsubscribe and you're done. So in those cases where people can react very fast, maybe companies want to reestablish a sense of fairness by immediately and maybe even repeatedly apologizing. So that's another set of aspects. And the third one that I was considering is definitely more ill-defined, but I think it speaks to several things that were, were told uh, over the past couple of days. Um, so Teddy reminded us how much you know, Canadians uh, apologize, and Nick uh, as well yesterday, you know, people say sorry all the time, and it seems redundant, and so on. But maybe we are not apologizing for uh, you know, bumping into someone else, even if it's someone else's dog. Maybe there is something else into it. And this, this idea of a narrative that we might build, that I was mentioning yesterday in an intervention I made, to the extent that trust is important and conveying a sense uh, that the system works fairly, or we believe the system will, uh, should work fairly, and to the extent that apologies might create some sort of interpretation or a narrative or a sort of convince some social values, then by an apology, and this goes to the etymology of the word, you know, logos, story, we are telling stories. We are telling stories about what we think is right. And this, again, has nothing to do with the sincerity of the, uh, of the apologies or anything. We tell stories. That's something we say. We say sorry all the time just to tell each other we need to be kind. That's what we want to say. Okay? We don't care if we bump into each other 
or if we bump into a wall for that matter, right? But the idea is that we have to remind all the time that we need to be kind. And so maybe companies might do this or might be forced more or less directly to do this to reestablish a sense of trust and the confidence in a particular system uh, to work. Now, at the end of the day, you know, these are just conjectures and uh, being an empirical uh, researcher, you know, I myself would like to see empirical evidence of this. This is difficult, obviously, to do, but it turns out that the high technology, not the low technology I'm using here, comes to the help here because what I'm proposing in, in, in my paper is some sort of preliminary work that could be done to try and understand whether these three motivations, purely economical, uh, psychological, or related to sort of the narrative we build, are really borne out in, in the data by sort of classifying you know, all the apologies that have been issued in the past 60 years. Right? This seems like a ridiculously difficult exercise to do, but you know, machine learning, text analysis, artificial intelligence, all these beautiful things can be used to do this. Many texts think about um, you know, financial disclosure documents, annual reports, the news, obviously, news releases, and so on. Most of them are in digital form now. There are entire libraries or corpora that can be accessed. And we have the technology and the coding ability to classify what CEOs or you know, companies in general tell us and try to understand what it means. And so this could be a, a first step to, to start understanding what these apologies are for. We can classify the type of apologies, so what are companies apologizing for, whether this has changed over time, and that's a way also to have a sense of what kind of values, for example, were more important. Were there apologies in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 90s? What, there were, what were they for? Uh, that would be an interesting exercise to do. Do we see clustering? So in principle, companies should make wrongdoings in a random way, right? There shouldn't be any sort of particular uh, trend of pattern. But do we see, on the other hand, that companies apologize more often in certain circumstances? They are contagion. Is there more attention, for example, during uh, boom or recessions? Maybe people are more angry toward the corporate system when the economy is not going very well, and so there is more of a reason to reestablish uh, this kind of trust. Do we see different sectors having different sort of uh, incidents of apologies? Maybe the public perception is that some sectors, some industries are more accountable, uh, say the health sector, for example. Uh, or anything related to kids, including toys, uh, for example. Uh, do we see those companies in those sectors apologizing more often? Uh, and so these are all things that, you know, current data, data analysis technologies might, uh, might help us doing. So I'm not sure I have time uh, to run this research myself. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so, but this is probably something that uh, younger generations, generations who know how to use uh, computers better than me, uh, can, uh, can engage in it, and I definitely see some, uh, some promise in it. Thank you.